Hello and welcome to Law and More. I'm Malcolm Underhill. I'm a solicitor and partner at IBB Law. In this episode, we're going to be talking about bringing a claim against a hospital for medical negligence. With me to talk about this is Simon Pinlock. Hi, Simon. Hello, Malcolm. I'm a solicitor and senior associate, IBB Law. Um, I have over 25 years experience dealing with medical negligence claims and particularly specialise in those involving severe injury, uh, including head injury. Simon, what should an individual do if they or a family member has been the victim of medical negligence? Well, my advice particularly if they are considering making a claim, would be to seek expert legal advice as soon as possible and to seek a solicitor with experience in the area relevant to their case. And as I say, the earlier the better, because clinical negligence claims have strict time limits and there is an advantage in bringing the claim as soon as possible because it will be an opportunity to gather the evidence, uh, to identify the correct parties and to enable your solicitor to advise you on whether you have a valid claim at the earliest opportunity. One other point for a potential claimant to consider is making a complaint to the hospital. They can do this themselves or in consultation with their solicitor. And again, this should be made promptly. And the benefit is it will trigger an investigation by the hospital, which will be an opportunity for the claimant to find out exactly what has happened and provide potentially useful information for their claim. Simon, as we know, a a lot of clients will be concerned about the cost of pursuing a medical negligence claim. Can you give them any comfort about how those legal costs will be paid for and who will pay them? Yes, absolutely. Um, People will have heard of no win, no fee agreements, but they are properly known as conditional fee agreements. And the vast majority of clinical negligence claims are pursued funded by such an agreement. And this simply is an agreement between the solicitor and his client, whereby the solicitor agrees to waive their costs in the event that the claim is successful. The solicitor can also advise the client on the need to take out an insurance policy, which will cover them for the cost of expenses incurred during the course of a claim, and also the potential risk of paying costs to the defendant. So this agreement, a conditional fee agreement with an insurance policy, will provide the peace of mind that an individual cannot be out of pocket if the claim is unsuccessful. Simon, that's really helpful because we know that it's a real concern to individuals when they think about making a claim they may hesitate in coming to a lawyer because of those costs involved so hopefully that provides some some comfort now we often hear the phrase hospital negligence and duty of care and things like that but what counts as hospital negligence what does that mean well negligence is a legal concept which is quite difficult to explain to the layperson but in the context of a clinical negligence claim as simply as possible It is where the standard of the care provided has fallen to such a low standard that no reasonable body of medical practitioner would have acted in such a way. It is a high burden of proof, and it doesn't mean to say that all mistakes are negligent. Medicine isn't an exact science, and there are different ways, procedures of treating patients. But The important thing is in a claim is that it's proven, the negligence is proven by medical evidence. So we would be obtaining expert reports from consultants or medics in the area of medicine that is relevant to the claim to establish that negligence.
Simon, when an individual um, sustains injury, they're likely to bring a claim themselves or approach a lawyer, but they may not always be able to do that. So who can actually sue? Who can bring that claim against the hospital? Well, Malcolm, in addition to the individual who can obviously bring their own claim, there will be situations where either that individual isn't capable of doing it or in fact doesn't feel they want to do it themselves, the day-to-day administration of the claim. So where an individual has the mental capacity to bring the claim but wants support and assistance, they can nominate a litigation friend. But where someone lacks the mental capacity to bring a claim on their own behalf, then we can advise individuals to nominate a deputy through the Court of Protection, and we can also advise them in relation to appointing a litigation friend uh, for the whole claims process. There are also situations where, sadly, people die as a result of the negligence, and in these situations, the claims can be brought by the estate or the next of kin. One of the big questions we have from individuals who are thinking about bringing a claim you know, almost the, the first question they ask, besides who's going to pay the legal costs, is, you know, what can I claim for and how much am I going to get? What's the answer? Well, the answer to your second question is very difficult to answer at the outset, almost impossible. We cannot say how much an individual will get. But commonly, the losses and claims that can be brought are for the financial losses incurred as a result of the injury. So these might be loss of earnings if the individual's been off work. It could be for the cost of care they need as a result of that injury. And that can be both paid professional care or care provided by friends and family. It could be for equipment and adaptions to their home. And then other miscellaneous expenses, travel, medicine. And then, of course, in addition to losses and expenses, both future and past losses, there will be an award for the pain and suffering that the individual suffered. And this is pain and suffering, both physical and psychological. If someone wants to proceed with a claim, how does that medical negligence compensation process work? Well, it is undeniably a long and often complicated process but the process starts by instructing a specialist solicitor at the start who can advise the client on the best funding method for the claim and as I've said already this will probably be a conditional fee agreement. Your solicitor will gather your medical records at an early stage to get the background to the case and to check the circumstances and and the facts of the treatment Your solicitor will instruct medical experts who will advise not just on the standard of the treatment you've received, but they'll also report on the injuries that you've suffered, and this will be evidence for your claim. Your solicitor will formally submit the claim to the hospital or GP or other clinician through a letter of claim. Following the letter of claim, the defendant has a stipulated time frame to investigate and respond to the claim and then provide what is called a letter of response and in this they will set out whether or not they admit liability for your accident. Your solicitor will be liaising with medical experts throughout and will advise you on the prospects of your claim succeeding. If necessary legal proceedings will have to be commenced particularly if there is a denial of liability and then your solicitor will advise you through the court process as required all the way up to a possible trial. But I I would always say that trials are very unusual and the vast majority of cases settle without the need for a court hearing. 
Yeah, I agree that uh, most cases do settle. You began by saying that it's important for an individual to approach a specialist lawyer as soon as possible, a specialist medical negligence lawyer. But how long do they actually have to bring that claim against a hospital or a GP? Yes, there are strict time limits in bringing medical negligence claims. The basic rule is that it's three years from the date of the injury to issue court proceedings. But this is slightly more complicated in cases where the individual doesn't know they sustained an injury until a later date, and this will be after further medical investigation. This is known as your date of knowledge, and in many medical negligence claims, the three years runs from your date of knowledge as opposed to the actual date of the injury itself. Um, should also mention that with children, the time limit of three years runs from their 18th birthday, when the claim involves a deceased, then it's three years from the date of death. And I've already mentioned where there's those without mental capacity, there are in fact no time limits in relation to limitation unless the individual regains capacity. People will be concerned about pursuing the NHS. And I really got, I suppose I've got two questions here. Conscious that the NHS is a statutory body and um, limited resources, people are concerned about making a claim against the NHS. You know, what would you say to them about that? Is there a difference between making a claim against uh, the NHS and, for example, a private hospital? Well, you're right, Malcolm. I, I do come across many clients who are concerned about making a claim against the NHS in particular, especially when they are continuing to engage with the NHS with their treatments. And there's also, rightly so, you know, a sense of pride in the NHS throughout the country. And most people are very supportive. So there can be a sense of guilt. But at the same time, when someone has suffered negligent substandard care, it can only be right that they should be entitled to recover compensation for what can often be significant financial losses and also potentially life-changing injuries. It's also important to remember that many of these claims don't happen in isolation and they can occur as a result of bad practice in hospitals. And one of the benefits of claims potentially is that they can lead to an improvement in the standard of care and the prevention of future injury. As to your question about any difference between private and NHS hospitals, there isn't really any difference in the sense that the claim can still be pursued in the same way and the burden of proof is the same and the evidence is the same. The only difference being that with an NHS hospital, you are bringing it against the trust, whereas with a private hospital, you will often have to bring it against the individual doctor or consultants who was treating you at the time. Thanks, Simon. Just a final question from me, again, uh, one that we come across probably third in the list of about how much it's going to cost, how much you're going to get, and the other thing is, how long is this going to take? Well, you're right, Malcolm. It's a question we get all the time, and it's very difficult to answer because every case is different. And there are many factors which affect how long it will take, from the availability of evidence, the approach of the hospital or trust, whether they delay in their investigations, but also importantly, the extent of the injuries. The more serious the injuries, generally speaking, the longer the claim will take because we need to understand through evidence the final medical prognosis so that we can value the claim. But as a rough guide, we commonly say to clients that a claim 
can settle in under two years if things go smoothly with an admission of liability, but it's not unusual for it to take longer when there are prolonged disputes. Thanks, Simon. If people have got more questions, then they can go to the website ibbclaims.co.uk. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.